Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. Now, I'm not big on promoting our wonderful denomination. And some of you in our newcomers lunch recently saw this video. But I love the statements that it makes. Let me read some of them. Because of the sacrifice of Jesus, we can actually have a relationship with God. The impossible is possible when people are empowered by the Holy Spirit. I I like that. i got to read it again. The impossible is possible when people are empowered by the Holy Spirit. God has the power to heal the deepest of wounds and cure the darkest of afflictions. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? Yeah, by the way, we'll talk back and forth a little today. It's audience participation. Jesus is who he said he was. No matter how dark the world may get, he will be returning again to make everything right. And I'm a firm believer that Jesus has the power to transform the human soul, to transform our minds, be renewed by your thinking and how you think. To get rid of your past and to embrace your future. To never let fear be your God or your guide. I believe in that. And I've seen it happen. Now, over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about the heartbeat of LFC. The mission and the vision. And some of you say, well, I think I got it. Well, maybe you do and maybe you need a refresher course. Or maybe there's some new things you're going to hear that you've not heard before. But somebody said to me recently, what really is LFC all about? And it's on the logo on the screen. It's on our backdrop today. If we could just love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourself. If we could just serve God and say, God, I'll do whatever you ask me to do whenever you ask me to do it. And then I'll serve people beyond myself. I won't be selfish. I won't be self-centered. I'll be generous, I'll be caring, and I'll be kind. If we could get that, we would have the most explosive life imaginable. And notice I didn't say explosive church, I said life. You know, this uh, last summer, a lot of things changed around here. Maybe you noticed, some of you didn't notice, uh, some of you need help in the noticing department, you know? You ever walk with some people like maybe, you know, the sidewalk is all uneven, the roots have come up, it's got the sidewalk, and they're just walking and strolling, and then they, they, they do one of these, but you saw it coming, like 40 squares back, not four square, but 40 squares back, and they're all blue, and, and you watch them fumble, you know, because they're just looking one square at a time. God bless you one square people. I love you. I deeply love you. You know, you see everything at ground level, and there's some of you that are like up at 500 feet, man. You can see stuff. But are there any other, besides myself, 35,000 foot view people in here? Come on. You see it. They're raising their hands online. See, I can see through technology, you know. They see things. See, some of you see C Street. Others of you see the valley. But some of you can see all the way out Highway 1. You can see Gaviota. Come on. You can see the tunnel. And somebody says, Pastor, you're not big enough. I can see LAX from here. In your mind, you just see things. I can see the Pismo Pier from here. I can see Portland, Oregon from here. Man, God bless you. 
I want to give you the 35,000, the 100, and also the one square view of LFC over the next few weeks. Now, what has happened, uh, beginning of June, we saw this uh, normal phenomenon that happens regularly. Can you have a normal, regular phenomenon? Anyway, uh, it's called the military influx and outgo. We had about 125 that we're able to track people in the military and also people that transferred to other areas for work. And then a few people that we are aware of that either decided not to go to church or found another church. So about 125. So in June, we're about 600 people on a Sunday. Uh, over the course of the summer, so take that 125 out, okay? You mathematicians, track with me. 125 out of the 600 would give you about 475. Bingo! The price is right. Okay, so 475. Um, last Sunday, we had 801 people come to church. Now, now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What would that increase be from 475-ish to 801? Am I hearing 325, 326? Am I hearing 300-plus? I just want you to know that June, July, August, and now September, 300 plus new people have come to this church. I got my work cut out for me because they all want me to greet them. I've had 57, I'm not exaggerating, invitations in the last four weeks for coffee or breakfast. <laughs> I need more caffeine. <laughs> So let me get to the point, or I'll just ramble on. There'll be no sermon time. Like at 8 o'clock service, I went long because I, 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 I took my own sermon time away. Isn't that weird? Yeah. I need your help. I need you to greet people. I need you to reach out to people. I need you to let people know that they're safe here. I, I need you to, to, in your small groups, if you're seeing new faces, to, to connect with them and and to encourage them and to pray with them. I, 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 I need you to, to say, uh, Pastor, we will help carry on the DNA and the culture of the church. One lady came here and she said, oh my gosh, I came from a church of 10,000 people. This is a dinky nothing. It's hard to figure out. And another lady said, I came here I was involved in a church for 15 years. I was in the Sunday school department. Our church average is 40, 40, 40 on Sunday. Wow, this is a mega church. <laughs> Someone else said, yeah, at our church, one hour worship, not 22 minutes, one hour. You are faithful. I mean, sang that song for like 60 minutes, you know? And she goes, how come your worship is so short? Somebody else said this. This is true. Pastor, you're like the shortest winded pastor I've ever sat under. Because <laughs> my pastor had a pulpit. He had all his books here, Greek and Hebrew and all his lexicons and all his commentary. And he would actually read from them on Sunday. 90 minutes was his sermon. Can you get longer, she said. She's not going to have her way. I'm sorry. <laughs> but see, everybody brings their culture, don't they? They bring their style. Now, you can be free to have your style here, but I just want to let you know what the overarching theme of the house here is. 
So we all get it. Here's my first premise. And man, I took too much time setting it up. God has saved us so that we might save others. God is changing us so that we might change others. Every person has a unique heartbeat. You might say, oh, that many, many rhythms. But if you're a drummer or a percussionist, you would hear the difference, the nuances. Some of your hearts are, others are just, bop, bop. you know what I mean? We all have a different heartbeat. We all have different fingerprints. Everybody understands that. Uh, if you go to Mount Rushmore, how many have ever been Mount Rushmore? Good. I plan on it someday. Um, I was going to have Scott put my picture over there. <laughs> if you go online, there's so many people's pictures on there. It's, it's crazy. Chuck E. Cheese, I saw somebody had. Uh, what a waste of time. But anyway, well, I mean to put Chucky on Mount Rushmore. That's what I meant. So if you go to the next slide, Paul, for me, you can see the construction took 14 years and cost over $1 million to build. Uh, it would be like $6 million today, okay? And what we know is the sculptures had a pretty tough job, but all they were told was this. Let's remove everything from these stones that are not Jefferson and Roosevelt and Lincoln and Washington. Let's not try to create them Let's just remove everything from the rock mountain that is not these presidents. And I believe God wants to remove everything from us that's not like him. That God wants to remove bad attitudes and stinking thinking and, and rotten approaches to people. And I'd like you to read with me, if you would, Psalm 139, 13, and 14 with your best Sunday morning voice. Here we go. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. See, you are not a coincidental collision of particles. You are not an accidental evolution of molecules. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are more than a statistical chance, more than a marriage of heredity and society. You are more than a confluence of inherited chromosomes and childhood trauma. You are more than a walking weather vane whipped around by the cold winds of the life that we live. You have been, and I love this from the Message Bible, Psalm 139, 15, you have been sculpted from nothing into something. God is sculpting you. And if you're a parent, God is sculpting your kids by using you and your influence and your voice as we dedicated 30 kids last uh, Sunday. And I told them that, that God is using them to shape their kids. Soren Kierkegaard said that each man's birth, there comes into being an internal, or excuse me, an eternal vocation for him, expressly for him, to be true to himself in relation to this eternal vocation is the highest thing a man can practice. This weekend, Tom Hughes spoke to our men, did a masterful job. He's the author of a book called Curious and how we should have a question-led life. And one of the things he challenged the men on was the simple fact of, do you wake up in the morning and ask God, what do you want me to do today for you, Lord? What are you trying to do with my life, Lord? And one of the comments that he made that just gripped my heart was about some of the stories of people through his church. 
One young gal went to Kenya. She was a nurse. She just got her RN, and, and she felt like God called her to Kenya, and she met this man by the side of the road who was dying of HIV AIDS under a banyan tree, and she took him to her apartment. And being a nurse, she went to the hospital and begged for the hospital to give her HIV drugs. And they said to her, well, because you're a nurse and you are qualified, we will give you the drugs, but only one day at a time. And every morning she had to go back to the hospital and wait in line, get that same doctor to give her the drugs so she could nurse this man back to health. Well, long story short, I'm going to cut to the chase. Um, through the Christian Assembly of Church that we help uh, minister to and financially support their outreaches, uh, they were able to build uh, their first center. Now they're on their second center. This young gal has the largest HIV AIDS healing center on the continent because something was birthed inside of her heart that God had an eternal vocation for her in her life. And the highest nursing calling, she says, is leading these men and women who have HIV AIDS and these children not only to medical care, but to Jesus Christ and watching their lives get changed. I mean, I could go on and on about the stories that he told, but they inspired me. In Ephesians 5, 17, don't live carelessly, unthinkingly. Make sure you understand what the master wants. And, and just a simple question, what would our lives be like? What would our church be like if we only did what God told us to do? That's it. Not some idea the pastor had or the elders came up with, but if we only did what God told us to do. I don't know how many of you know Samuel Pierpont Langley. How many know him? One. The last service, Zip. Well, you're going to know his story when I show you these two guys, Orville and Wilbur Wright. Orville and Wilbur Wright. Everybody know them? Ever heard of them? See? Well, let me tell you about Langley. See, Langley had the recipe for aviation success. He was given $50,000 by the War Department. He was given $20,000 by the Smithsonian. He held a degree from Harvard. As Pete Hope told me, it's Harvard. Anyway, he gave me a degree from Harvard and was on the board of the Smithsonian and founder of the Smithsonian Astrophysical Observatory. He hired the best minds that money could buy. And the New York Times said a reporter to follow Langley everywhere that he went as he endeavored to create a flying machine. A few hundred miles away from where Langley lived in Dayton, Ohio, Orville and Wilbur Wright, many of you know their story. They had a bicycle shop and they worked really hard. And they took the proceeds from the bicycle shop and they used it to try to create a flying machine. And they always brought five parts with them of every part that they had because they usually had a little lift and five crashes. So they needed five parts all the time. And some of you know the story about the Wright brothers. Their dad was a pastor who stood in the pulpit one Sunday morning and the Wright brothers were there to hear their dad preach. And their dad said, if God wanted us to fly, he would have given us wings. How encouraging. Could you imagine sitting there and hearing your own dad from the pulpit and create a church that would actually pray against people wasting their time to try to get men and women, boys and girls, off the ground? 
the Wright brothers had a group of people that were not paid. Langley's engineers were all paid. But the Wright brothers had a group of people who simply volunteered because they understood passion and drive and vision. And on December 17, 1903, the Wright brothers took flight. It took several days for the news to get out because nobody from the media was following them. They were all looking at Langley. Imagine what it would have been like if, if Langley would have taken his assets and what he'd already figured out about flight and the engineers he had and coupled it with the Wright brothers. And what if they did aviation as a team, like doing church as a team? What if they banded together and said, we can do this together, but Langley wouldn't have any part of it? I love what Albert Einstein said. He said, for an idea that, that first does not seem insane, there is no hope. If your idea is not a little insane, there is no hope. If you're just thinking of doing the same things over and over again, well, God bless you. Have a nice day. But as we were reminded again this weekend as men, we only get one crack at this life. Crazy ideas. You're sitting in a building that was a crazy idea. Oh, no, I'm not going to go back to history lane because all you guys, you people that were here go, oh, not again. But the city of Lompoc said 10 times, you can't build this building. It doesn't fit on this lot, and you don't have enough parking. So rather than tell you the whole story, I'm just saying, we're here. And we've expanded. We've got more to do. We've done the Corner Connections building, and there's more to do, and there's more to do. And there's more people to reach. And as long as there's one person outside our walls that doesn't know Jesus Christ and his transforming power, we must continue to grow. The great commandment says, love God with all you have. Love your neighbor as yourself. And the great commission says, go into all the world and tell people about the gospel. Tell them about the good news of Jesus. And I'm a firm believer that people still want to hear some good news. You know, a few years ago, um, we took our, our harvest party and and took it to the street. And I still remember this dear lady in the church. She's here. She still goes here. He said, Pastor, why would we ever, why can't we just keep the party in the little parking lot in the annex building down here? Why do you want to go on the street? And I, because I want to do something big. And she said, well, but it's already big enough. There's kids everywhere, cotton candy. They got, you know, they got, you know, candy in the carpet. And I said, well, but let's go big. You ever heard that phrase, go big or go home? Well, go home for us would mean go to heaven. I don't want to ever wish that on anybody prematurely. But, but, but you know, you're going to be seeing these. This is our block party, October 31st. And, and we've got bungee stuff and costume contests and a pirate ship and a big inflatable slide and Euro bungee and cotton candy. And this is English and this is Espanol in the back. Come on. And then, and then um, October 26th. Isn't this great? We don't get to plan this stuff like the dates. You can't change October 31st. That's just the night. You can't change. And then when Lompoc plays, plays Cabrillo on October 26th, just a few days before, I'm glad for your woo. That means you're going to be there serving with us. God bless you. Yeah. We've got the post-game party. And listen, listen, listen. That's our 25th year to do this. We started really small. Yeah, yeah. We started really small in the parking lot over here. I mean, it was small. We had a banner up and a couple of Mylar balloons, some hot chocolate. And hot it, was, it was not real big. I went home depressed and discouraged. And then I heard the whisper of God from the scripture. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. 
And next year, that was like 75 kids, and next year it was 100 and something, and then it grew really big, and then we moved it over to Trinity for a while. And then when they opened up the area where the aquatic center is, before it was built, was a grass hill. We moved over there. We've been there ever since. And while the game is happening, our stuff is pumping up, man. Our lights are going up, and people come over. And, and somebody said to me, well, Pastor, it's a church, it's a church party. There ain't no, no, no kid, non-church kids going to come to the party. And I said, if you feed them, they will come. <laughs> and they came. Last year, we had almost 1,600, 1,600 high school kids come. We gave them a safe place to hang out. And according to the last four police chiefs of Lompoc, there was no juvenile arrests following the Lompoc Cabrillo game since this party moved over there by the high school. I, I, I'm glad for that. I'm keeping kids from getting in jail. I think that's a good thing. But so are you. But I want to just tell you this. I'm a dreamer, and I like dreaming. And I like working because it takes work. <laughs> you know, uh, his name is uh, Jim Collins. He wrote Good to Great. Many of you know Jim Collins. Um, he talks about B-H-A-G, big, hairy, audacious goals. And we're going to call him today Big, Hairy, Audacious God Purpose. B-H-A-G. You can write it down somewhere in your notes. B-H-A-G. Big, hairy, audacious God purpose. What is that for your life? For a guy named Moses, it was a burning bush. Moses was a prince. He was a Hebrew. And he saw an Egyptian killing a Hebrew. And he went and he killed that Egyptian and he ran for his life. And long story short, he's now a shepherd and he's on the backside of the desert. And a burning bush happens. And God says to him, I have a big, hairy, audacious God purpose for your life, you're going to be used by me to set the captives, the Israelites free from Egyptian captivity. You have a burning bush too. And they're all around us. They're little signs and little whispers and little voices from God or a scripture that we read or a need that moves our soul and something happens inside of us. I just want to encourage you, wherever you're at in your life, whatever you're doing, how you're raising your kids, how you're paying your bills, whatever you're doing, don't be risk averse. Be somebody that says, I will do whatever God calls me to do, whenever he calls me to do it, and I will not live in fear and let fear drive me. So if you open your Bibles to 1 Peter 2, somebody says, are you ever going to get to the Bible? Yes, I am. 1 Peter chapter 2. Peter is uniquely qualified to talk about the church. He was the author of the great confession, which Jesus said was the foundation upon which he'd build the church. Remember, Jesus asked Peter, who do you say I am? And he says, I believe that you're the son of God. And Jesus responds and says, Peter, upon this rock, by the way, Peter's name means little rock, upon this rock, I will build my church. Now, not upon the rock, Peter, but upon this rock solid confession, when people say Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is who he says he was, that he died, he rose again from the dead, I will build my church. And then he says this, this is so cool, and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. He didn't say I will build buildings, I will build cathedrals, I will build big choirs. He didn't say I will build, you know, mega churches. Here's what he said, I will build my church. 
Brick by brick, stone by stone, life by life, God is creating a spiritual house. So 1 Peter 2, verse 4 and 5, let's read it. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God, and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices, acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Let's say acceptable. Acceptable. Now, how do we become acceptable sacrifice? Well, let me give you the first point. We are called to real life. All of us are. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, you've been called to real life through him. Living stones. Anybody here like the stones? I'm a stones fan. I'm going to confess it in church. And if you were 76 years old and could move like Jagger, <laughs> did you know last, last year, still the top grossing entertainment band or show in the world, Mick and Keith and Charlie Watts, huh? and Ronnie Wood. Think about it. Stones. All right, let's go back to the sermon. We call it geriatric rock. Come on. We are called living stones who come to the living stone, Jesus, and he makes us alive. And notice what it says. He's trying to build us into a spiritual house. There are no Lone Ranger Christians. They're not allowed. I mean, saying that you're a Christian and not being in a church is like saying you belong to the NFL but have no team. It'll sink in later, yeah. Like living stones are being built into a spiritual house. God is shaping us. Now, here's the problem with living stones. I have a friend who's a, a mason, and he takes stones, and he chisels them, and he puts them together. Or he makes flagstone walkways and that kind of stuff. Beautiful work. And I've never, when I see him work, I've never heard one of the stones saying, no, don't touch me. Well, they're not alive. But we are living stone. We can sell God. I'm sorry, God. I'm not doing that. But your neighbor has a need. Well, I just forget my neighbor. Never liked them anyway. By the way, none of the ministries that God calls people to do is because you liked somebody or some people group. It's just because God called you to do it. Well, God called that young lady to Kenya. She never thought she'd be working with HIV, AIDS, faces. So she met a guy under a banyan tree. Changed her life. We don't always get to do what we want to do, but when we do what God wants us to do, it gives him praise and it gives him glory. It stretches us and eventually, watch this, eventually we fall in love with it. Eventually we do. Spiritual house, 1 Peter 2.5. A different version says, brick by brick, life by life, God is creating a kingdom, a spiritual house. So he's working on us. He calls us to come to him to be made alive. And then number two, we are stones in the Lord's building. Stones. We don't wrestle. We don't push back on God. Romans 12 says we're living sacrifices. We just say, Lord, have your way in me. And that's easy to say on Sunday morning. Yes, Lord, you are faithful. You are able. Have your way in me. And then Wednesday at 2 o'clock, boom. Huh? 
couple of weeks ago, I was driving through the uh, Starbucks line, got myself a coffee and some little impulse. You know, I do this a lot, but some impulse said, pay for the car behind you. No big deal. Happens all the time. People do it. I've asked the baristas, yeah, oh, yep, yeah, all the time, all the time. So I saw this lady and her son in the car, and I think their bill was like 9.45 or so. No, but no, you know, it wasn't going to bankrupt me. So I said, pay for the car behind. So I pull around, and now I'm going towards Taco Bell. You know where I'm going. I'm going to go out, yogurt creation. I'm not getting yogurt, but I'm going out, you know. And, and she's flashing the lights at me and beeping the horn. Ah. Do I pull over? So I pulled over, and she goes, why did you do that? That was her tone. Why did you do that? I said, I just thought I'd do something nice. And her son said, but why? I said, well, I heard this whisper. I thought, oh, no. <laughs> See, sometimes I don't have a filter. I heard this whisper. And I believe it was God that said, buy your car. You should have ordered more stuff. <laughs> you should have got the lobster roll, right? Come on, come on, you know? And, and her son said, no joke, you hear from God? Yeah, I do. And he's looking at me. I think he's like ninth grade, you know, from Lompoc High or something. And, and he's looking at me. He's squinting at me like, what? 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 And I said, all, all, I, all I know is I serve a God who loves people. And if me buying you those beverages and that little cookie or whatever you got, let us have this conversation. Well, it's worth it all. I said, hey, just know that God loves you, cares about you. And I drove away. Man, I was pumped up. I was like, where's the devil? You know, I wanted to meet me. I wanted to meet me up at the Y. I'm going to take him out. You know what I mean? Doesn't that stuff feel good, though? Come on. Does it feel good? Lady next door, you know, she's by herself, and she needs somebody to help her wash her windows. And you go over there and wash her windows, and she gives you this smile and says, thank you. I can't pay you, but thank you. And Doesn't it make you feel good? Good, one person, okay. <laughs> I'm going to work harder now. Here we go. Huh? Ephesians 2, 19 and 22, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. A lot of references to stones and rocks in the Bible. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are, come on, being built together, together. That's why you can't do life by yourself. That's why we have small groups. That's why we gather together. That's why we have different classes. That's why as you leave today, if you took five extra minutes to linger and meet somebody, maybe one of the new 300 people, mm, what are you trying to sell me? Nothing. You're trying to get me to be a member? No. You're trying to get my money? No. We just want you to know you're welcome here. You can grow at your own pace. And God's trying to knit you and you and you and you and me all together, living stones, chiseled. He's trying to take all the dead stuff off of us that doesn't look like him so he can create us in his image and after his likeness. We were made that way originally. That was his intent. That's how he created man. We become sinful and we've added stuff to us and we've changed our, our look and appearance. We need to be more like God all the time. Number three, we're called to be servants of the Lord. Servants of the Lord. Uh, Albert Schweitzer said, I don't know 
what your destiny will be, but one thing I know, the only ones among you who will be really happy are those who have sought and found how to serve. Boy, I was quiet. How to serve. Let me give you a couple quick points. We believe in serving together, doing church as a team. Some churches like to do church as a staff. We don't want to do church as a staff. We want to do church as a team. We're, uh, we're, we're too big to hire the staff we need. It costs too much money, and we couldn't do any parties, and we'd be asking you every Sunday for extra money from you. We, that's why we don't want to do that. We want everybody to find their gifts and their talents and places that they can serve here and beyond our walls. We want to live beyond our walls. The church is not just this. It's a living spiritual house. That's what Peter's telling us. So when you go out on Monday and Wednesday and Friday and Saturday, you're actually a part of this living organism, not an organization, a living organism that's able to serve and make a difference wherever you are and wherever you go. We connect everything we do back to a soul. So when we have these parties, we could say, could it impact a soul? Could somebody come to Christ as a result of the parties? Guess what? We have statistical data that proves it. And a whole family come to this church. It was a prison guard at the prison. He stood there on the street like a guard. I mean, you should have seen him looking around. His kids went to go play some game. He's watching those kids like he's secret service. He doesn't know who he's going to encounter here. He's looking around. I went over and shook and said, hey, how you doing, buddy? You know? I remember the day I baptized him back here in the baptismal and his wife and his kids. They've moved on to Texas for another assignment, but they still reach out to us and remind us the impact that the church had, all because we had a party on the street. Think about that. There are young people who have been connected with the church, actually given their lives to Christ through our youth ministry or other youth ministry because they heard a little trickle of evangelism as they were eating their pizza and riding on the Euro bungee over at the post-game party. We can connect everything back to a soul. If we can't, we don't want to do it. We want everybody to preach the gospel the best way they know how. If your best way is with music or your best way is with food or your best way is with, with creating things or painting things or doing things, we want you to preach the gospel the best way you know how. We always want to live heart first. See, a mind can change a mind, but only a heart can change a heart. And if we drift and get off of that personally or as the church, corporately, we want to correct back to the heart. What's the heart? And a lot of organizations, a lot of businesses, a lot of companies can easily lose their heartbeat and drift away. Somebody needs to say, excuse me, we're drifting here. If you've ever driven a car that's out of alignment and you have to turn right to go straight, you know exactly what I mean. Or you hit the brakes and the car makes a left turn and the, or the tires aren't balanced and they do this shake on the road at, at 40 miles an hour. It's horrible. I like a car where you, don't try this at home, but I like a car where you can let go of the wheel and it just goes straight. Ah, everything's in alignment. And when we start to drift off our patterns and our heart, we, we correct back to the heart. Personally in your life, if you start drifting away from the Lord, you have to correct back to the heart of God. He's called you to a living stone himself and creates life in you and through you. If your marriage has principles that you founded upon and it starts drifting away, let, let's come back and correct back to the heart. I don't know if I want to do that. Get over it, sweetheart. Correct back to the heart. Let's go, right? And we live heart first. My good friend Wayne Cadero says, people who live heart first willingly yield their plans to God's plans. 
1 Peter 2.9 says, you are a chosen people. Hey, hey, get rid of insecurity. Why? Because you're chosen. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are God's special. Come on. I'm God's special possession, and so are you. If you know Christ is your Savior, you're God's special possession. It was no longer an elite priesthood. There were priests that could get to God. They could go to the Holy of Holies. There were priests that could offer sacrifice to the Lord. There were priests that could offer, and even in the early church, the sacraments to others. There were priests that did priestly stuff, and the people sat back. They were the ministers. We were the spectators. And Peter says, excuse me, I've met Jesus Christ, and he's transformed my life, and I believe who he is. And one of the main things that he's done is he's shaped us and given us all access to be priests. We can minister to other people. We can pray for the sick. We can serve other people. We can go into the presence of God. And we can be the priests that go out there in our schools and in the highways and the byways and our neighborhoods and Vandenberg Air Force Base and tell people, guess what? There is a gospel, it's good news, and it's the simple story that Jesus takes broken, hurting people and transforms them from the inside out. Listen, folks, if I didn't see God still transforming people, I'd go start a corporation and make millions of dollars because I'd be good at it. Okay. But I still believe he transforms people. I still believe he changes people, and I've seen it firsthand. Why would I want to go sell hamburgers or do anything else? We are God's special possession, and he wants to change us from the inside out. See, your faith is personal. Write this down. But it was never meant to be private. People tell me all the time, well, my faith is, is, is personal. Okay. But it was never meant to be private. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Well, pastor, I can't stand on a street corner and preach the gospel. I didn't say you should. Because you can buy somebody Starbucks. You can buy somebody Taco Bell. You can make an extra dozen cookies next time you make cookies and bring them to somebody on the street you've never met before. You can reach out to somebody with the heart of God. You can come and serve with us at our events that are coming up. You can come and serve at the church. We got kids everywhere. Now, lots of kids, you can come and serve with us. But wouldn't it be great if, if all of you that went over after uh, I'm done here in a few minutes, went over to Melissa Paz in the Connections Building. She's got Kids United over there and said, um, how can we help you serve the kids? I mean, you would, you would first of all, she would pass out. <laughs> Especially if any men came. 90, 97% of our children's ministry department is female. Yeah, guys, way to go. Oh, but did I tell you that we have kids that come here that have no dads? Did I tell you there's a family that comes here and the reason they moved to Lompoc, they don't even like this city, they can't stand it. And I'll tell you why they can't stand it, because dad's incarcerated and they had to move here because he got in trouble, became a felon, and now he's in prison. And they come to LFC and the kids, you got to see the kids look at me. Whenever I see him, I mean, it's like, whoa, we're so glad to see him. And I don't, I'm not saying I represent dad to them, but they don't have a male figure in their life. And they got uprooted from their family and their friends and got brought to Lompoc. That's why they don't like Lompoc, because they can visit daddy every once in a while. Now, just think about what a guy in the classroom would be like, and I'm going to move on because it's getting really quiet in here. We're being placed together 
make a declaration of praise. 1 Peter 2.9, we declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. How you love, how you live, how you serve is actually a praise to God. Even better than, excuse me, even better than worship in church or worship in a stadium or worship with the best worship leaders in the world. When we serve together, there's a sound that that love makes, that that, that, that that servanthood makes, and people hear it and people see it. It becomes a praise to God. 1 Peter 2.12 says, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see, come on, your, your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Could you imagine if people actually praise and thank God because of what you do and what we do together? So as we get ready to finish, find your burning bush and live your God-given talent and calling. You know, the world's a better place because Michelangelo (laughs) didn't say, I don't do ceilings. The world's a better place because Noah didn't say, I don't like boats. The world's a better place because David never said, I don't do giants. The world's a better place Because Mary didn't say, I don't do virgin births. The word's a better place because Paul didn't say, I I don't write letters. Paul the apostle. And I got to tell you, folks, the world's a better place because Jesus didn't say, I don't do crosses. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, I encourage you today to come and let him make you a living stone. That's how it starts, by your confession to him and and your belief in who he is and what he did. And then secondly, just want to stir you a little bit. What would God have you do? Same thing you've always done? Something new, something different, something fresh? Now this is not a ploy to get people to step out and serve. This summer there was a gentleman who said to me at one of our events, I hope you're glad I came out and served. I signed up for the text, and I got the text. I worked my shift. Hope you know I did you a favor today. <laughs> I chased him down, man. I said, oh, sir, I'm, I'm sorry if you think you're doing us a favor. He, the problem was he didn't know the why behind what we do. He didn't know we were connecting everything back to a soul. He, he didn't realize that his service with us was actually shaping him to be a living spiritual house. And I said, um, you know, if you come back and serve again, I, I need to kind of help you. And here's what he said. Well, you should teach it from pulpit. So I am. Why do we serve? Because Jesus served us. Why do we give? Because Jesus gave his all for us. Why, why, why did he call you? We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.